BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Hey, everybody, it is Devin Katayama, host of The Bay, letting you know that this is going to be my last episode for a while. I am going on paternity leave for the next five weeks. And as of this recording, the little nugget has not come, but it'll be any day now. And I'm going to miss you all, and I'll be back soon. And in the meantime, ECG Erica Cruz Guevara will be filling in. All right, let's do it. Pretty early on in the pandemic, people knew that COVID-19 wasn't going to affect us all the same. And some people knew this well before others, like Jesus Guillen, who saw similarities with the HIV-AIDS crisis, which he lived through. Society was not all in this together. Because we were specific groups of population that most of the people consider not worth it in many ways. There is no doubt that the science behind the two viruses, HIV and COVID-19, are very different. But for many people, the fear and discrimination that came with these two public health emergencies feels similar. Today, how one Bay Area man made it through the early years of the AIDS crisis, and how he's experiencing the COVID-19 pandemic now. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. It felt like every other day we were hearing conflicting information and I was reporting conflicting information, it felt like. Even like I was like, yeah, you should definitely do this. No, officials are saying you should definitely do that. And so I wanted to kind of ground myself, has this happened before? Is this unique to this period or is this unique to new viruses? Leslie McClurg is a reporter with KQED Science, and she started thinking about the connections between the AIDS crisis in the 1980s and the COVID-19 pandemic happening now. So she started talking to people in the Bay Area who lived through both eras. So I met this guy named Jesus Guillen. I'm a romantic 
immigrant Latino gay who happened to be also a 36 years HIV long-term survivor. He pointed out the massive amount of deja vu that he was experiencing and kind of all of the triggers that he was experiencing as the pandemic was unfolding. He said, and I I remember this conversation viscerally, you know, he said that one of the things that struck him so much, um, you know, as an HIV long-term survivor, that he was just sort of stuck in his tracks, was when the Grand Princess was docking. The Grand Princess today finally slipping under the Golden Gate Bridge and into San Francisco's harbor to dock in the city of Oakland. Of the 46 tested, at least 21 people testing positive. They're being brought off the ship at this hour. And then the careful operation. This was this huge cruise ship that was docking here with a bunch of passengers who were infected with COVID-19. I remember hearing in a bus this lady that saying, huh, why do they allow them to be right there in Auckland? They should be taking these people to an island. And that took me back so much to the early 80s with HIV that people wanted also just to almost put us in in cages or in places completely separate. Jesus is from Mexico, and he felt at the time that he wanted to just explore the world. He had, I think, kind of a, a wild soul. I was 24 years old in Mexico. I already had a job with the government. I had I, I was out of the house that for a Latino, that's like, no, no, you stay home. You know, you stay with mama and you bring the partner and the whole thing. And um, I just felt like I needed to learn so much more about life, you know, to evolve as a human being. And so, you know, he grabbed his guitar and a passport and initially he landed in Los Angeles. And the interesting thing that even at the border, it was just like, uh, they didn't even check my passport. And um, and the rest, everything changed again because HIV was kind of like a the welcoming part to my life in USA. At the time, you know, when he came to California, he didn't speak English very well. He wasn't, you know, outwardly gay and outwardly out of the closet yet. Um, And so he was dealing, I think, with a lot of his own personal insecurities at the time. And, you know, a year after he arrives into California, you know, he had fallen in love. He had was dating one man. He was not being super, uh, you know, promiscuous. And he catches HIV and that man dies. It only took once for me. I didn't have to be with nothing wrong again with being with a hundred men. But I, I was just with one person and that's all what it took. One thing that is really, really tender for Jesus now is that he is an HIV activist. And yet in the very early days of HIV, he wasn't even following, you know, the most basic protocols, which is to tell someone that you have HIV. They were not allowing people who were HIV positive to stay in this country. And I just arrived. But it wasn't just fear of deportation that kept him quiet. You know, he wanted to, to belong. He didn't want to be isolated. He didn't want to be pushed away. And I had nobody to 
to talk about it or no one to say, hey, I might be dying next day. The gay community was was not accepted at this time. And they were contaminated with a deadly virus that no one knew, you know, how you got it in those early days. And so he was carrying an incredible amount of internal angst. When you talked to him, what were some of the things about the time period when he was experiencing the HIV AIDS crisis that felt similar to the COVID-19 pandemic and what's happening now? Chaos is what he experienced in those early days. People were just simply completely afraid to touch us, you know, like of anything because they didn't know. So first that, the ignorance, the fear that something creates, it made people paranoid. The information was changing in terms of what was safe, how was this transmitted, where was it transmitted. The T-cell numbers changed through time. Um, they didn't know about, uh, you know, exactly like first how it was transmitted. That's what people were afraid if we were using the same bathroom and even breathing in the same way. He talked a lot, a lot about the paranoia that I personally experienced. You know, some people are really scared that they're going to get this virus yeah. and so they want to be nowhere near you. And then other people are super cash about it, right? And they don't even want to wear a mask. And he said it was it was very similar back then, right? You've got people who don't want to touch a gay person. And then you have people in the gay community who are still going out to the bathhouses. And then finally, you know, he talked about, and what I experienced very much as a science reporter writing about this is, you know, headlines and studies and, you know, promising magical cures and drug companies trying to make money and or promising a vaccine is right around the corner. When I became HIV positive, believe me, everybody was trying to make money out of it. I remember one of my boyfriends taking me to a vitamin cure. Obviously, from a scientific standpoint, these two viruses are very different. What are some other differences besides the fact that there was just a lot of cultural differences happening between 2020 and the 1980s? I mean, I think the major point that he makes is that all of us across the world are experiencing a very similar fear around what this means. And for the gay community in in the early 80s, they felt very alone in that. With HIV, society was not all in this together because we were specific groups of population that most of the people consider not worth it. They didn't get funding. They didn't get any, you know, a scientific attention. You know, at the time in those early years, President Ronald Reagan was not even talking about AIDS, didn't talk about it till six years into the epidemic. The CDC kind of ignored or, or wasn't able to raise money to actually do the kind of science that we're seeing. Whereas right now, every lab, every scientist, every news organization, every official is dealing with the coronavirus. It was disorienting in the early days. We knew so little. We didn't even know that uh, AIDS was caused by a virus. We didn't know that for two full years after the description of the first patients. Dr. Michael Gottlieb is this famous scientist in the in the AIDS community because he was one of the original um, researchers to discover that this disease was even spreading. He's at UCLA. 
And I talked to him to kind of get a perspective of like, what was it like to be a scientist? What was it like to be a researcher that early on and to try to research a disease that wasn't getting very good funding, that wasn't in the limelight? And he made two major points, which is that they didn't know anything. And at those very early years, they didn't have any money to try to find out anything. What was it like? It was hard in those early years because we had very little in the way of funding. And we struggled to find money. And here in California, uh, we were fortunate that the legislature included a line item in the state budget uh, that funded specifically AIDS research. I want to ask you about the inequality, because while there are more resources being directed to COVID-19 research now versus the AIDS crisis back then, you know, and more messaging about everyone doing their part, wearing a mask, the COVID-19 virus is definitely having a disproportionate impact on people. So what did Jesus say about that? The African-American and the Latino community got disproportionately hit way harder during the AIDS crisis. And how we are 40 years later having that same thing unfold during this pandemic with such blatant missteps on how we got here, you know, in, in the ways that this is playing out and how hard those communities are getting hit, it's a blind spot and an embarrassment for our country. I'm sure, you know, in San Francisco, 50% of the people infected is Latinos. And for me, this is, again, um, all the physical aspects, yeah, six feet away and, uh, you know, try to stay home and all those things are the basics. But when you start, again, discriminating against someone, when you start talking about someone like they were not people, either elders or African-Americans, and we have to talk about race right now because all the things that they're happening, it can happen. With all that said, how's Jesus doing now? I think he's really frustrated by the fact that he does not feel like public health officials are reaching the Latino community. He feels like that's a major piece of the puzzle of why those communities are getting hit so hard. For a long time, they were not bringing out data, raised data of COVID-19. He was not out for a long time. I think during the AIDS crisis, he felt like no one cared. And I think he's frustrated that in ways, although not as badly, he feels like you know, the most vulnerable are getting hit again, and officials are not doing enough to make sure that those communities are protected. Elders are not disposable. The same way that uh, we as gay people, we were not disposable. Every time when I hear something that reminds me of the 80s or the 90s, or when I see again a person in one of those ventilators fighting for their life, you know, it just reminds me also of the people that are gone or the times that I was also very close to dying. So it's a very crazy mixture. Why do you feel like this is such an important story to highlight right now? I think it helps to look back to have some context for what we're experiencing now. And I think, I would hope that by highlighting this, we can say, hey, look, folks, 
we knew this 40 years ago. And here we are again, going through the same things. Can we address it now? Because it's painful that we haven't done so since. Today, Jesus still lives in San Francisco, where he feels a deep sense of community. He's also part of the first generation of people who survived long enough to grow old with HIV. He says that experience is helping him deal with this pandemic, one day at a time. This is a whole community that the only thing that they have found in common is our coping skills. And what it means is in some way that we found ways to keep going. Thanks to Leslie McClurg, science reporter for KQED. The Bay is produced by ECG, that's Eric Cruz Guevara, and our editor, Alan Montecilio. We're made by your public media station, KQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama, and just a reminder that I'm going to be out on parental leave for the next five weeks. You're going to be in good hands with ECG hosting. So with that, I'll see you in September. Bye. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.